All right, joining me now, he is the lead draft analyst here at PFF and soon to be host of his very own podcast. It is Mike Renner. Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on again. No, absolutely. Really looking forward to this. First of all, because we've gotten to see a lot of rookies here in the first week of preseason. But as also, like I mentioned, you have your very own podcast here coming up at PFF. Before I jump into the episode, um, obviously we all like two-for-one drafts and tailgate with Austin Gale, but he's moved on to the ringer. We're happy for him. But this is some big-time news here for you. Any, I guess, teasers, details, what we're about to have here with your own solo podcast? Yeah, so to replace Austin... Uh, no one man could replace them. So every show we'll have a new guest. It'll be, you know, kind of half me, half a guest interview where we talk about, you know, anything goes basically. Uh, I've already had some great conversations with Kevin O'Connell, the new oh, Vikings head coach. Um, Tanner McKee, one of the top quarterback prospects, Stanford quarterback. Uh, Bruce Feldman uh, of the Fox Sports, whose freaks list just came out. So going to see a lot of those interviews coming up in the next few weeks. So it's been a lot of fun kind of starting this up and, uh, see where it goes well that sounds pretty awesome kevin o'connell is a big time guest bruce feldman is um i actually got to read his freaks list every year one, one of the best things to read every time around this year let me ask you this i mean how often are, are we planning to have this come out every week what, what's the plan here when is the official launch episode so official launch date is next thursday i believe that is the 25th august 25th that episode uh and then you'll see every monday thursday throughout the season throughout you know however long they let me do this podcast at pff for the fireman <laughs> i don't think that's ever gonna happen anytime soon but that, that, that sounds awesome um i'm just i gotta ask you i mean when, when it, i know you you've done this podcast with austin for for so long are you going to be able to replace that energy that is missing now that he's no longer there i, I don't know what i'm gonna have to do maybe smelling salts drugs something before the show to replace that because there is no replacing it he's a special dude uh sad to see him you know leave pff but he's gonna do big things at the ringer so uh, excited for him that opportunity absolutely all right so official launch date is next thursday we're all very much looking forward to it is, i didn't even ask us what is the name of the podcast it is talking ball with mike talking renner ball. is the name of the uh, podcast and so it's a little like it sounds kind of football guy but we really keep it light and it's and it's a good time each show. All right. We're all looking forward to that. Talking Ball with Mike Renner officially launching next Thursday. So um, that will be very exciting here for everyone here at PFF and hopefully for everyone else who will be tuning or tuning in wherever you get your podcast. What I wanted to do here today, Mike, um, we're into the preseason. One game in, we've had OTAs, we've had some camp. I want to talk about some of these rookies. Let's check in with some of them. And we've heard a lot of hype about a number of them and i'm going to start with some pass catchers and i want to start in green bay because aaron Rodgers was speaking to reporters i believe it was on tuesday and he was a bit critical of his wide receiving group we actually have the video clip here let's play it what he had to say to reporters about his receiving group unfortunately some of the same guys that that's you know repeat mistakes are a problem so we just got to clean those things up a little bit the young guys you know they got to Especially young receivers, we got to be way more consistent. You know, a lot of, a lot of drops, a lot of, uh, you know, bad route decisions, run the wrong route. So we gotta, we gotta get better in that area. He just won't be out there. You keep dropping the ball, you're not gonna be out there. So it's gonna be the most reliable guys that are out there. 
the, the preparation and the, and the job responsibility is most important. Uh, there's going to be physical mistakes that we talked about, but uh, you know, if you're going out there and dropping the ball and, and somebody else behind you is in the right spot all the time and catching the ball, that guy's going to play. All right, a, a pretty straightforward um, explanation by Aaron Rodgers about what's going on with his receiving group. Romeo Dobbs, their fourth-round pick out of Nevada, has been the one guy getting a lot of hype. We haven't really heard much about Christian Watson, who was their second-round pick. I guess, how much are you buying the Dobbs hype, and how do you feel like the transition will be for Aaron now that he's without Devontae Adams or without MBS this season? Yeah, first off, I think that quote has got a little overblown. Like, obviously, if a guy is dropping the ball, he's not going to see the football. Field. Like, any quarterback in the NFL would say the same thing. Like, you, you want guys out there that are reliable. But I do think this was the worry, right, when they traded away Devontae Adams and relied on youth. It's not only that, like, yeah, maybe you're going to have inconsistent hands adjusting to the speed from whoever your quarterback was in college to Aaron Rodgers' howitzer and how fast that ball is coming at you. But it's that you're learning a whole new playbook. Like he said, being in the right spot, doing the little things, that's just hard for any rookie to do. So this was kind of always the worry. Uh, Dobbs, though, I mean, what he showed in that preseason game, maybe he's one of the offenders in terms of drops and not being in the right spot. But the talent that he put on tape is undeniable. Like, like the fact that he flashes and, and has uh, all these you know, training camp highlights that come out, I don't think is fake. I don't think what he put on tape against San Francisco – is just can be done by any run-of-the-mill fourth-round receiver. I think it's real that he is going to be a difference maker at some point in Green Bay because of his ability to stack defenders on the football field. You can't run by cornerbacks. And he was running by the guy, Ambry Thomas, in that 49ers game that was starting against the Packers last year in the playoffs that other guys not named Devontae Adams couldn't beat on that Green Bay roster. He stacked him for what should have been a pass interference, ended up being a defensive uh, legal contact penalty, but like he was running good routes in that game. So, yeah, I'm excited about him. Christian Watson, though, is the one you worry about being behind the eight ball with the injury early on in camp. And he's one of, you know, when they drafted him, while so critical of the pick goes back to what Aaron Rodgers was saying there. He had the highest drop rate of any wide receiver drafted on day one or day two over the course of his collegiate career at North Coast State. So he might have a difficult time now seeing the football field early on. Yeah, one of the other things that Aaron did mention, it wasn't played there in the video, is that he could see a scenario where both his running backs will be on the field a lot this year, and they could both be getting 50-plus receptions, that being Aaron, um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, because they want to put their best 11 players on the field. And if the receivers are not playing out there the way he wants it to, they don't mind just using the running backs in the past catching game. I know it's not really a rookie question, but do you feel like the Packers should be looking to add one? One more veteran receiver to this group right now. Well, yeah, they added what Kyle Fulham or Travis Fulham, sorry, uh, yeah. to the mix. That's not that's not moving the needle I, at this point in time. Will Fuller, Odell Beckham, like th those are probably your only options that could actually make an impact. I, I would love to see them make that play. You, you know, th for the investment that it's going to cost them in terms of how much they have to pay those guys, minimal compared to the impact they could make on this roster. So I, as you know, obviously a Packers fan myself, I would love to see him make that play, but I, I just don't see it happening in Green Bay, especially with Aaron Rodgers and rapport and how long that takes to build with him. I think they're just going to rely on guys like Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard. That's going to be your three deep. And the young guys might just have to sit a while to get their chance. The Odell situation is the one that's most interesting to me because last year they were the other finalist when he was a free agent. And it's interesting because he has recovered from that torn ACL. And I've been saying this 
on this show and on PFF at night. But if he does not sign before the end of camp and lets the season start and let's just see how all these teams do, which teams really need me, it makes me wonder if he looks at the Green Bay situation come week four, five, six, and is like, you know what? I would fit right in there. I would be able to play off Aaron Rodgers and be with a contending team because really the Rams really don't necessarily need him right now. We'll see once the season start, starts how things go. But if he does take that route, I think we'll definitely be keeping an eye on to see which teams emerge as needing a wide receiver and where would be the best destination for him. We talked about Romeo Dobbs. We'll talk about another fourth round pick here in Isaiah Likely, the Ravens tight end. This is someone who the Ravens have been raving about from OTAs and throughout camp. He comes in the first preseason game, catches all four of his targets, has 44 yards. He's breaking some ankles, catching passes in traffic. With the, Ra- with the way the Ravens use their tight ends, it feels like likely will be bound for a pretty big year alongside Mark Andrews. Am I reading this correctly? I think you are. And this was way back when he got drafted. I was saying, wow, you know, like that was that was the fit. That, that offense was where likely needed to go because he's 235 pounds. A 235-pound tight end for the vast majority of schemes in the NFL that put their tight ends right outside the offensive tackle, ask him to fire off to a defensive end in the run game. He's going to get killed. He's not going to be an impact guy on your roster, and it's going to be liability in the run game. But you think the Ravens, maybe you just like conceptually think, oh, they run the ball a lot. Why isn't he going to get killed there? Because they use their tight ends as pullers. Their tight ends are on the move. And so when he's on the move, he can block. That's what he did at Coastal Carolina. He can engage a linebacker. He can engage a safety. He can engage a cornerback. He's just not a guy you want going head up on a defensive end. So in that scheme, they're not going to ask him to. So I don't think him being 235 pounds is that big a liability. And then what we saw from him in that first preseason game, the four catches, the three broken tackles after the catch, like he moves better than any tight end two in the NFL right now. Like that was what he always could do. That's why he put up so many yards at Coastal Carolinas because he moves like a wide receiver and is kind of wide receiver size. But I do think for that Ravens offense, it's really not going to matter. He is going to flourish and obviously be a favorite of Lamar Jackson because that's a position he likes to target, the middle of the field. That's where he likes to target. That's where life we can win. You know, one of the things that I like to see whenever there are these press conferences, a lot of it is just regular coach talk, player talk. You really don't get much out of it. But I've seen a lot of these Ravens coaches and players bring up Isaiah Likely on their own, which always tells me, okay, this guy is legit. If you're not being asked about him and you're talking about him, I think Lamar Jackson called him a baby Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews basically said, I see some of myself in him. John Harbaugh said that they intend to use him a lot this year. And then Tony Jefferson, who's a reserve safety around on that team, went out of his way to basically tell reporters this guy's going to be the real deal. When you have all of that coming out of camp, it tells me that they're seeing a lot out of him during camp, during OTAs, and we've seen a lot of him through that one preseason game. And like you said, it just makes so much sense to see him there in Baltimore of the way they run things. Really excited to see how he does moving forward, possibly another slam dunk pick there for GM Eric DaCosta. Sticking in the AFC North, George Pickens. I mean, this feels like a slam dunk as well. I know there were some injury and maturity concerns, and that's probably why he dropped around number two. But Steelers GM Kevin Goldberg, who just stepped down, has a pretty long history of finding receivers outside round one. And it looks like he's done it again here with George Pickens. I mean, what are, what are we expecting out of him in year one? Yeah, I really couldn't believe he fell to where he did. I mean, he was a guy who was 26th on the PFF draft board because 
of the tape. Like he was that good on tape. Like what he's showing right now was who he was at Georgia. And, and it was against, you know, in the SEC, when you're going up against the corners that you're facing, you can feel pretty strongly that that guy's going to translate to the NFL. And now that was way back at as a sophomore and freshman at Georgia. And he tore his ACL last off season before their championship run and didn't really play much uh, down the stretch when he did get back healthy and still was obviously hampering from that ACL injury. But now he's obviously uh, over a year and a half removed from that and looks back to full strength. And it's that strength, the play strength that separated him. It separated him as a freshman at Georgia. When a guy very reminiscent of Jamar Chase, when a guy is the younger guy in college football, when he's going up against 22, 23 year olds at 19, 18, and he's the one manhandling, that makes you feel good about that guy going to the NFL and still doing the manhandling, which is exactly what we're seeing from George Pickens. So, yeah, I'd say pump the brakes on the like this year hype rookie wide receivers. And again, with the quarterback situation there in Pittsburgh, they may not may be too many yards and touchdowns to be had. I'd pump the brakes on the hype this year, but he looks like he very much belongs. And it's only a matter of time before he turns into, you know, the next in a long line of Steeler wide receivers. Yeah, I was looking through the list of the receivers that Kevin Colbert drafted throughout over these years. Outside round one, you have Chase Claypool in 2020, second round. Deontay Johnson, third round, 2019. Juju was second round, 2017. Emmanuel Sanders was a third-round pick. Antonio Brown was a sixth-round pick. Mike Wallace was a third-round pick. You could throw in Martavis Bryant, who was a fourth-round pick as well. That's a pretty long list of some pretty decent wide receivers who have turned out to do some great things there in Pittsburgh. It feels like George Pickens could definitely join that list. They also have Calvin Austin, a fourth-round pick, who was drafted this year out of Memphis, a speedy guy. I know he's been dealing with some injuries, but I know they're also very excited about him. You mentioned the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. Steelers fans were going a bit nuts with Kenny Pickett in his first preseason game. I think it's important to remember it happened against third and fourth stringers for the most part. But history does tell us that first-round quarterbacks find their way onto the field in their rookie year. When do you think, if at all, we'll see Kenny this year? Oof, that's a good question. Honestly, I think it's going to be late in the year. I, I do think they're going to run with Trubisky. I do think they are good enough. Or, I mean, they are good enough to compete for a playoff spot. I don't think they make the playoffs just because of happenstance of the AFC being so loaded. You know, there's only yeah. so many mouths to feed. They're in one of the toughest, probably the second toughest division in the NFL. It's just like, it's going to be difficult, but it's still a very talented roster. And so they're going to fight till the end to make the playoffs with that roster. And then to me, once they're kind of out of it, then that's when we ended up seeing Kenny Pickett because I did not think, you know, the first performance was impressive in terms of comeback, the poise, leading a game-winning drive, but it wasn't impressive enough to be like, yeah, he's your guy. His average completion was 3.3 yards down the football field. It was dinking and dunking to the max. That works against third string as a preseason game. You're not going to get by moving the football that way against you know your own division, the Baltimore Ravens. It's just not possible. So I do think it'll take his learning curve like every other rookie quarterback and kind of what we said about this class. These guys really aren't ready. That's why they all fell. So I, I do think that it will be a while before we ever see Kenny Pickett as QB1. You know, I think this was mentioned on the broadcast. I wanted to ask you this. Have you ever heard of a quarterback who struggles possibly in practice, but then when it comes to being in the game and the lights are under him, he's able to perform better? Have you ever heard of that? Because they mentioned that about Kenny Pickett. I have not. Like, I, I, I don't think that's a sustainable model. I'll just say, like, I think it's, you can do it. I believe in guys showing up when the lights come on, like being unfazed by pressure and that sort of thing. 
but I don't think I've ever heard of a guy who literally like looked average at best in practice and then showed up in games and was a difference maker. So I, I don't, like I said, don't think that's sustainable. Right. I mean, it, it was brought up in the broadcast as something that this is what they saw out of Kenny Pickett in practice. And now here he is on the field and he looks like a different player. So I was curious to know if that's something that makes sense or not. I mean, I've never heard it before. Clearly you haven't either, but um, it will be interesting to see how the Steelers handle this quarterback situation. I know Steelers fans don't want to hear this, but Mason Rudolph has also been impressing there throughout camp. I'm just curious to see who they named the quarterback two come week one because mason i know there are some fans there in the building we'll see what they end up doing but it's a very fascinating situation the way he's handled things as well throughout camp and what the steelers ultimately ultimately do for their quarterback to come week one i think we're all expecting mitch trubisky to be the week one starter against the Bengals. i'm going to combine these next three quarterbacks together malik willis desmond ritter sam howell what have you seen so far, the positives, the negatives, anything surprising to you? I don't think anything that they did week, preseason week one was surprising. Truthfully, it's like, was all of them what we expected? For Ritter, he looked, you know, poised in terms of his footwork, his fakes. Like, he looked like an NFL quarterback. There didn't look like any transition period in how we operate a pocket, that sort of thing. Like, the little things about playing the quarterback position. But that's like to be expected for a four-year starter. That's what he was billed at. And then he missed a good number of throws down the football field, which was also his biggest worry. This was his accuracy and down the football field. So we kind of saw that from him. With Malik Willis, electric athlete. I mean, you didn't have to watch more than four plays of his tape on Liberty to know that. And so the fact that he's run away from NFL guys, it's like, yeah, we knew that. That's like that's why some people were super high on him. Is the guy can run. The guy has a cannon for an arm. And now he scrambled on nine of his 21 dropbacks. You know, like he didn't throw a pass. That was the other thing. It was like, can he operate NFL offense? Well, not right now is the problem. And Mike Vrabel pulls him because of it. And then with Sam Howell, some impressive downfield throws, the mobility that I think got undersold in the draft process you saw uh, in his touchdown scramble. But then taking sacks, running into pressure, the pocket presence, and just the timing issues that probably were going to have be a problem coming from North Carolina and an offense that didn't prepare him for the NFL whatsoever. So I think those guys were all kind of what we expected and what we expect being probably not guys that you want starting right now. You know, the latter two Willis and Howell projects for the future Ritter probably could start at some point during his rookie rookie season, but you're not going to feel super great about that being the case. You know, I, I know you were a big fan of Sam Howell throughout the draft process. I'm just thinking of the situation in Washington and the way everyone has been talking about Carson Wentz. Do you see any scenario if Wentz struggles and we're up to, I don't know, week 13, week 14, that they decide, you know what, let's just put Sam Howell on the field and see what he's got? Oof, that one's tough because I, I could – it would probably be with a new staff or with Ron Rivera not being the head coach. You know, like it it would be because he's gone and a new staff is there and it's kind of like or interim head coach is there and it's like we got nothing to lose at this point. But if Ron Rivera is still fighting for his job, I think he's gonna go tooth and nail with what he's got, with the what gives him the best option there in Carson Wentz to try to eke out a few games, keep his job. Yeah, because I, I do believe that as part of the trade to Washington, the same 70, 75% stamp um, 
limit thing for the draft pick was involved here. Oh, what? So I forgot about that. I believe I it is. Okay. Yeah, I believe I believe it's once again involved for a pick coming up this year. I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So I wonder if that does become a possibility there in Washington if there are struggles. Again, I, I do believe that Carson is a, um, I guess, a better quarterback than what they had last year in Taylor Heineke. But regardless, I'm curious to see if that ever comes up this year, if they ever decide to go to him. I also feel like we'll be talking a lot about um, Aiden versus Trayvon Walker come this entire season, right? And we got to see both of them. Trayvon actually played in two games. What have you seen so far in limited action out of both these guys? Aiden looks, I mean, he looks like he belongs. I would bet the house right now, dude stays healthy. He's going to be defensive rookie of the year. Like he just, he was beating up Jake Matthews. You know, he was beating up NFL ones, you know, starting caliber guards and tackles and just looked like the guy we saw at Michigan. So that was kind of why we had him as number one. It's like, I feel good about that guy being a good football player right now. Trayvon Walker though, was also impressive and it's unfair to him that he's going to get compared to Aiden Hutchinson uh, throughout the rest of his career because he didn't ask for that. And, you know, he, he's, he was not a guy who was ever, you know, if you asked last year, if you looked at both their tapes on the football field and voted for any awards, no one was going to say, yeah, Trayvon Walker was better at football than Aiden Hutchinson. It wasn't even close. So that comparison this year, like it's, it doesn't exist. Trayvon Walker is not going to have the year that Aiden Hutchinson does if they both stay healthy, but it's more year two, year three or four with Trayvon Walker. And truthfully, I, I was impressed with what I saw from Yats against backups uh, for who he was playing against, but I don't think a tight end is going to be able to block Trayvon Walker in the run game. Uh, he's too long, too strong, too big. It, it, and that's what he got drilled in him at Georgia was the run game. So he can be a difference maker in that regard. And obviously compared to like a Caleb on chase on just a much, much better player against the run. So I think he can be an impact run defender. One, I saw some, uh, you know, he had a move inside move against Jedrick Wills that, you know, showed some quickness. I think he can get by on like some stunts and some slants and use that, size speed combo of his but i just don't see a real impact pass rusher across from josh allen like i said run game is where he's probably going to make his money right now you know you've been doing this for a long time i gotta ask you this trayvon walker being the number one overall pick do you remember the last time we've had this type of situation where the number one overall pick is barely being talked about nationally Oof, that's a good i mean probably like eric fisher back 20 13 was that yeah where no one really i mean everyone called that draft awful and then you know, week one, no one really – who, who's going to discuss an offensive tackle on first take? You know, like no, no one's going to really do that. So so I think that's probably the last time where it was really just like, oh, yeah, he was first overall pick? Oh, okay. Like, who cares? That's probably one of the last time. I feel like it's the least talked about number one overall pick probably since Eric Fisher. That's probably the latest one for sure. It just feels like we've barely been talking about him. Probably hear more about the Aiden versus Trayvon come this season, but we've barely heard about it. Let me go back to the lines for a second because there's this six-round linebacker, Malcolm Rodriguez or Rodrigo. This guy is the hard knock star right now in this last episode. A bit undersized at 5'11", but he appears to be a real player here. And I've had a few Oklahoma State people telling me they're not surprised one bit. He's probably, and obviously his career remains to be played out, but as it stands right now, my biggest draft regret from this class in terms of where I ranked him, because I bought into the size concerns. I mean, 5'11", you said you know, only 5'11". There's not another 5'11 linebacker starting in the NFL right now. Like that, that's unprecedentedly small at a position where every running back, you know, the running backs he's tackling are bigger than him. That's always a concern for a guy when projecting tape from college to the NFL, 
when you're that size, it's like it usually looks worse and not just a little worse, like considerably worse because of the physicality difference. But that was the knock on him. That, that was like the only knock, like him playing the game of football. There weren't a lot of knocks. He's a freak athlete at that size. He ran a four five three coming out and they highlighted the clip on hard knocks. That's really what makes him so special. And that Kelvin Shepard said, we haven't had a linebacker make in the last five years it is him, his ability to understand and see the game at a high level and play faster even than his time, because, you know, he shows in one gap knows that that's going to force a running back to move and then goes to the other gap before the running back even has a chance. That's high level, high IQ stuff that as Kelvin Shepard said, like, I'm trying to teach you guys this stuff. You can't teach some of that stuff. Uh, you really can't teach that stuff that Malcolm Rodriguez does. So plays like that are the plays that if you see at the NFL level, you know that guy is going to be an impact player. So he's probably going to be starting in week one. I mean, obviously not a lot of competition there, but I would put money on him starting week one right now. He's been taking first team reps as of late. I know he did it yesterday in joint practices against the Colts, and it looks like Brad Holmes, their general manager, who has a draft background, came from the Rams, might have found another building block for this roster moving forward in Malcolm Rodriguez. You mentioned Kelvin Shepard. The guy is full of energy. I mean, he is another one of those stars for this hard knocks episode and he was using malcolm as one of the examples as what he wants from the rest of the linebacker room there in detroit let me quickly shift over to some running backs here because damian pierce in houston taken in the fourth round out of florida has 49 yards on five carries in the first preseason game shows his vision footwork his closeness all of it i'm looking at the houston running back room I think he's RB1 going into this year. Is that a crazy assessment here? I, I wouldn't even say think. Like, he's RB1 getting in this year. Uh, Rex Burkhead, your competition there, um, has never been a full carry the load kind of guy. Like, do it all. Damian Pierce is. I mean, he's 220. He picks up blitzes and pass pro. He was the best in blitz pickup of this entire draft class at the running back position. Like, I could not believe he fell the fourth round. And I couldn't believe he didn't get featured more. At Florida, like only 100 carries last year. So he's still fresh. Like this guy uh, should be like the Texans number one running back. I don't even think that's a debate. He looked, I mean, he looked even a little bit more explosive than he did at Florida in that preseason game week one and his ability to cut, his ability to play through contact. Like he really, the only thing missing from him is maybe that second gear of, you know, being able to run away from defenders. But that's such a rarity in the NFL that it's the other little things that matter so much more. So, yeah, I, I was a big fan of Damian Pierce coming out. Obviously, by the way, I'm talking about him. You can probably tell. But I, I do think that what he put on tape preseason week one was more impressive than we saw from any other rookie running back across the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if people are, are tuning in to watch the Texans this year, but since GM Nick Casari got there, it feels like he's finally brought in some normalcy into that building, and they're just trying to find some pieces for this team. They are big believers in Davis Mills. I think you can make an argument he was probably the second best rookie quarterback last year. I am curious to see how they do this year, but it definitely sounds like Damian Pierce is going to be a player who will have a big role come this year. We actually have Ian Harditz here on the podcast next week, next week for fantasy. Curious to hear what he has to say about Damian Pierce as a potential fantasy pickup come this year. One more running back I want to mention. This is a, a seventh round pick. The Chiefs appear to be very high on Isaiah Pacheco, a seventh round pick out of Rutgers. He's out here wearing Tyree Kill's number 10. And again, it seems like there's there's a lot of excitement there. I mean, what should we know about him and what he could do in this Andy Reid offense? So he's the guy that I 
need to see more in preseason. Like I'm very curious to see more in preseason because the speed and size like is there. Like he ran mid four threes at 216 pounds. I think he had the best speed score of any running back in the draft and had natural hands coming out of Rutgers. Didn't get featured a ton, but like looked like he could be a receiver, which is obviously like something Andy Reid covets out of running backs. Why he ends up in Kansas City instead of you know probably being a UDFA where a lot of draft analysts I know probably had him graded because why we had him as UDFA is because at 216 pounds, he doesn't run up to that weight. He did not break a lot of tackles, had one of the lowest, I think he had the lowest broken tackle rate of any drafted running back. And that's a thing that you don't see in practice. You, you know, you can see his reads, you see his hands, you see his speed, you see all that in practice. But then when it comes to, you know, lower shoulder contact, defensive backs backing up, you know, you're not taking that hit. You're not delivering that blow as a running back. So that's what I need to see from him. First preseason game, what do you have? Like three carries. You really didn't get a handle on it. Didn't go, you know, didn't do much with them. So that's what I'm going to need to see to really buy in to this hype. But that's why you take chances on athletes, man. That's why seventh round, you might as well, when a guy runs a 4-3 at that size, because the payoff of what he could be, and especially coming from an offense at Rutgers where you're not going to look your best. You know, we've already seen that with Gus Edwards uh, coming yeah. out of there. You're not going to be featured a ton and look great. Uh, so, yeah, I do think that Pacheco, I, I'm excited, but I want to see more actual game footage from him. All right. So you mentioned you want to see a little bit more of him. Who are some of these other guys, rookies, you're keeping an eye out here for week two and three of the preseason? I'm really looking, me, PFF analyst, offensive line. Yeah, That's what we do okay. best here that like not a lot of other people do around the NFL. But that duo in Seattle, I, I mean, Abraham Lucas and Charles Cross, what they looked like in week one of the preseason. And yes, it was the Steelers backups, uh, you know, got to couch it with that, but they looked like they belonged and they're both fell kind of in the draft. Cause they came from offenses that were about as not NFL ready as you can get air raid offense, both played under Mike Leach, you know, which is not asking you to run block. You're not doing double teams in the run game. You're not doing a lot of things that you're asked to do, but then on tape week one, they look like they could do it. Like I, I, I was very excited. And the last time, you know, a team actually found, two starting offensive tackles in one draft. I can't remember. Uh, it, dating back, I think, 2000, the Green Bay Packers found uh, Tauscher and Clifton. Like, it, it's been a while. It doesn't happen, and everyone's paying top dollar to find just competency. These guys look like they could be special. So that's the group I'm looking for because Seahawks, obviously not going to factor much in the playoff conversation, but it's been a while since they had a good draft, and this looks like they had a good draft. I was going to ask you about Seattle because there's a scenario where they could have five starting rookies this year. You mentioned the two offensive tackles, the two cornerbacks, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, a running back in Kenneth Walker, likely will split carries with Rashad Penny. Boye Mafe will probably have a rotational role. It's been a while since they've had a good, decent draft. I mean, overall, what do you think of that entire draft? And now that we're hearing about these guys in OTAs and camp and now the preseason, it feels like there's a lot of excitement there. Yeah, what was it, 2015 was the last time they like actually yeah. had more than one good player. It was like Frank Clark and Tyler Lockett. And obviously the whole dynasty was built in like three years from 2010 to 2012. So John Schneider can draft. You know, he, he's shown he's capable. Uh, I was a massive fan of their draft at the time. I mean, Charles Cross was our OT1. We had Abraham Lucas as a top 50 player, falls all the way to the third round. So going to be high on what the haul they got. And then Boye Mafe, I mean, the explosiveness off the edge. They've been drafting all these bad athletes at defensive end, whether it's LJ Collier, uh, whether it was um, Daryl Taylor at defensive end. Like they've been drafting guys that don't necessarily fit the profile of the guys winning at the NFL level consistently. Well, Boye Mafe does, freak athlete. So 
very excited to see what this draft class does because, my Lord, they need it. I mean, they were so depleted of talent probably heading into the season. Very nice to see for Seahawks fans. All right, last one here, and maybe your answer will be Seattle, but we've had, as I said, OTAs, some camp, a preseason game, a million press conferences, and some more time to think about everything since April. The team that will get the most out of their rookie class in 2022 will be who? I do think the Lions, just because I feel like Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the most impactful defensive player, probably most impactful rookie. So that might be like cheating to say. And then obviously getting Malcolm Rodriguez and his contributions already, like that's a pretty good start. But I also think the Kansas City Chiefs, they were a team that I thought the Chargers had before the draft. I thought the Chargers were the favorite in that division. I was would have put money on the Chargers to win that after their draft. I think it's the Chiefs. I mean, what we've already seen from Sky Moore, what we've already seen from George Karloftis, what we've already seen from Trent McDuffie, like those guys are not only just like starting for you as rookies, three stars as rookies, I, they could be impact, like actual quality stars for you as rookies. So I'll lean to the Kansas City Chiefs there if I'm going to answer one. It's actually amazing we went through this entire episode without bringing up any of their rookies because some of those guys really impressed in that first preseason game, especially Karloftis, who... I know a lot of people did not like that pick. I don't know if you've seen this video. There's a really funny video from draft night of Chiefs fans reacting to that pick where Roger Goodell says George and they wanted George Pickens, Pickens and yeah. everybody jumps up like crazy. And then they realize Carl Loftus and they're all just really upset. But um, it looks like he's off to a great start as well. Trent McDuffie, a cornerback, Sky Moore. I know you're super high on him. I know they're very excited about him as well so we'll see how the chiefs do that entire division honestly is just stacked every afc west game this year will be absolutely bonkers all right mike i want to thank you for coming on everyone can follow you on twitter it is at pff underscore mike check out all your great work at pff.com and of course the new podcast which debuts next thursday wherever you get your podcast i'm really excited about it and We'll definitely do this again during the season, have another rookie check-in with you. So, uh, Mike, thanks for coming on. I'm looking forward to the season officially starting in a few weeks. For sure, Ari. Appreciate the love, man. Thanks for everything you do.